Thank you for Annette for the communion. Thank you for Cheryl for the words of wisdom. Uh, I was really blessed by what Cheryl brought. Didn't know what she was going to bring, but I was I was blessed by it. Um, I guess you know when we we talk about things, and when I've been doing this series, one of the the key things about this series is that you just do not know what he's going to get thrown at you. You don't know what the enemy is going to throw at you. And uh, today we're going to be just going back to that key verse. Uh, so 1 John chapter, four, uh, chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. And then we're going to be going and looking at something that Jesus said, which is particularly important uh, right now, which is a, a parable that he told in Luke 18. So first off, I'm going to go to uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 to 5. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. You know, we're born for victory. And that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And you know, one of the things that we've uh, really been looking at is this uh, principle that persistence overcomes resistance and never more so did we need to know that than, than right now that persistence overcomes resistance because it, here's how it works persistence uh, wears things down and that's why the devil the enemy uses it so extensively and right now he's using it extensively in the world He's using it in all the things we see, you know, it's not just about our lockdown, it's stuff that's going on around the world, there's earthquakes, all sorts of things. Now, I'm not saying he causes all of those, part of those are the, the result that we live in a, in, a, in a sick and dying world and creation is groaning. But nevertheless, he uses those to try and bring fear, to try and overwhelm us, to try and get us down, to try and get us depressed, disillusioned, discouraged. Because he knows that if he can do that, he'll get us off the plan of God for our life. And so just looking at those verses again, um, you know, we have a real choice. It can be his persistent, the persistence that wears us down or our persistence, your persistence, will get him to flee. Your persistence will wear him down. And it's that persistence that goes through that overcomes by our faith in God. We overcome. Now, if you remember, um, one of the things that I've mentioned, uh, I, I can't remember whether it was last week or the first week of this series, that word overcome is a Greek word, nikos. And it gets commonly transferred conquer or go beyond or whatever. But what it really is, is a picture of, of an athlete who has mastered the event that he's part of. And as a result of that, he, he, put, he, he goes through things, he competes, he stands in the battle and at the end he takes his place on the podium and ultimately he stands on top of the podium as the, the kind of champion of games. And I talked about that last week, that Victor Ladorum that I used to compete for. And that champion of games is who you were made to be because Jesus Christ, when you were born again, his spirit came to live in you and his faith now dwells in you. And as you, as you choose, as you activate your faith and connect with the faith that he's planted in you, then you become an overcomer. And it's that I want to talk about this morning because so far in the first two of these, I've talked about attitude. Our attitude that we do not give in, we don't back down, 
Uh, we're not stopping now. We're not just surviving, that we are those who thrive. I talked about that bulldog faith that we talked about years ago. But I'm not so much going to talk about attitude today. I'm actually going to talk about something practical in terms of what do we do when we're right here, right now, in the middle of something. And when I prepared this, I didn't know actually what I was going to be preaching into this morning. So it's kind of, I'm not sure the word's ironic, but it's kind of uh, apt that, that we're looking at this this morning. So I'm going to go to Luke chapter 18, uh, beginning at verse 1. This is a parable that Jesus told. And here's how he start. well, here's how Luke starts it. Then he, Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying that men ought always to pray and not lose heart in any circumstances. Men ought always to pray and not lose heart in any circumstances. Saying there was a certain city, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was also a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he wouldn't for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And will not God avenge his own elect who cry out night and day to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? So this parable has a lot to tell us about prayer, but also about how faith works through prayer. And so that's, that's kind of uh, the, the, the theme that I'm talking about. Because one of the things is when we read this parable, and there's another similar one that Jesus told, uh, somehow we make a leap over into religion. And when we leap over into religion, it all becomes about how much effort it is, how long we pray, how many times we pray, how many people we have praying. And if we could only just do all this, then God would move. No, God is ready to move. And I just want to kind of uh, go back and have a, a fresh look at this parable so that we actually see what it really means rather, and, and cut through some of that religious stuff that we've been taught over the years. You know, when we talk about persistence, persistence can be good. It can, it can be powerful. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, when we translate persistence as endurance or patience, then persistence becomes a virtue. It's a character trait. You know, if you want a, if you want a good marriage, then you're going to have to have some persistence through the difficult times in that marriage. If you want to be a good parent, then I can tell you from mine and Cheryl's experience, you're going to need some persistence to keep going at times. Uh, if you're going to get involved in ministry or you're going to get involved in leadership, then you have to have persistence to deal with what comes along. So we have to keep going, we come through, you know, 14 years of faith life, we've been through all sorts of things, we've always come through the other side, we've always come out stronger, we've always come out better, because the Lord takes us through, and as he takes us through, he shows us things, he teaches us things, we grow, we mature, and he fills us, and we release more of his spirit. So, you know, whilst it never seems it, when you look back, 
we always come out stronger. And this, this that we, we're uh, going to go into for the next month, we're going to come out stronger again. You see, here's the thing about this parable. We've got two characters. We've got a widow and we've got a judge. And the first thing to notice is that the widow and the judge are very different sorts of people. He's powerful, she's powerless. He's prosperous, she has nothing. He's got great authority, she has no influence at all. You see, the thing about, uh, I guess, about being a widow in those days is that they, she had no uh, ability to represent herself. She was in a very vulnerable position. She had nobody to protect her. Um, and in that culture, it wasn't uncommon for widows to be uh, put down, uh, not able to have access to their husband's property and not able to get justice. And it was kind of clear from the way Jesus was telling this parable that this woman had an adversary. Now we have an adversary who's the enemy, but we also have physical adversaries. We have people who've done stuff to us. We have people who've uh, treated us badly. We've had people who've mistreated us, people who've hurt us, people who've done things for us. And sometimes it can seem like we're never going to get justice, that there's never any vindication. And Jesus has some really important things to speak into that situation uh, in, the, in this parable. Uh, because, you know, many of these widows in Jesus' time, they were taken advantage of and they couldn't get justice. And the point is that God's not like this judge. That The point is that, that God is for us and not against us. And if he is for us, who can be against us? In all things, we are more than conquerors. As he is in this world, so are we. And so, you know, we, we really need more than ever to not just grasp these as kind of intellectual, mental things, but to grasp these as truths that affect the way we live, truths that affect the way we think, truths that say, I'm not backing down, I'm not giving up, I'm not sinking into depression, I'm not sinking into discouragement, but I know I'm going to go through this, I'm going to follow God. I might not know exactly where I'm going. I might not know each, each, each path that I'm supposed to take. But as long as I follow him, I'm coming out the other side and I'm coming out stronger. And faith life is coming out the other side and faith life is coming out stronger. And Mark and Cheryl are determined that they're definitely coming out the other side. And we're going to celebrate because we will be stronger. And so this, this, uh, this widow... In the face of all that kind of disadvantage she's got, you know, sometimes we can feel powerless. We can feel like we, we have nothing. We've got nothing to bring. Uh, our best days are behind us. Uh, life's messed us up. We can think all sorts of things and we can feel powerless. But God is on our side. You see, you plus God beats anything. It's a really simple maths equation. You plus God beats anything. And so... It's not a case of you can't do it. It's a case of having the persistence and the patience to see the victory and see the overcoming. And, and this lady, she has to do something. And we're all going to have to do this, whatever we face and when we face things. She has to muster up the courage to go and confront this judge and to demand justice. She has to actually face up to what's in front of her and say, I am going to get what I need in order to uh, be provided for, be looked after and to come through this. 
And she's gone to this judge and she only knows, well, we only know two things about this judge. And I want you to be uh, really clear on this because people have got into all sorts of problems in looking at this parable by thinking that this judge is God. And that's not the point of the parable. This judge is clearly not God. It's clearly not Jesus. And therefore, we shouldn't be doing the things and ex have the expectations that, that God is like this or this is how he behaves. Because what we're told two things about this judge. He does not fear God and he doesn't respect men. He doesn't fear God and he doesn't respect men. And that means he doesn't care about the laws of God. He doesn't care about the word. He doesn't care about people. And he doesn't actually care that one day he's going to have to give an account of his life to God. And as a result, and kind of, I guess, sadly to some degree, he's like all of us once were. You know, before we met Christ... We were our own God. We, we didn't uh, respect God. Uh, we were law to ourselves. Um, we, sit, so we sat on our own throne. We rendered verdicts on our own life. We did what was convenient to us. And we didn't do what glorifies God. So in some ways, before we met Jesus, we were like this judge. We, we didn't fear God and we didn't respect men. And, you know, that's the second thing we learn about this, this judge, so that we know it's not talking about God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. He doesn't actually like people. He doesn't care about people. If you're suffering, he doesn't care. If you're victimised, he doesn't care. If you're struggling, he doesn't care. It doesn't affect him, so why should he care? And... What Jesus is doing is he's showing us that the way God deals with things is different from the way the world deals with things. Whilst people in the world might behave like this, God doesn't. And But even then, persistence wore down the resistance of those in the enemy camp. Persistence wore down the resistance of the world around her and so she kept persisting she kept persisting i'm just kind of imagining it I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine kind of uh, my mum doing this because my mum's kind of she's kind of a persistent lady you know even in 96 she she's still uh, soldiering on and and even though she's in hospital at the moment she's giving the nurses you know what for really uh, and that's the, that's the nature. And I, I kind of imagine her a bit as this persistent widow. So like when the judge gets up in the morning, he comes out of his house. She stood at the bottom of the garden demanding justice. And, and when he comes out from the court at lunchtime, she stood outside and, and she's waiting for him. And while he's eating his sandwich, she's there demanding justice. And eventually her persistence wears him down and he gives her what she needs. Now, it's interesting that, that he gives her what she needs. He gives her the bare minimum. God is not somebody who gives us the bare minimum. God is somebody who gives us more than we need. He gives us in abundance. And so, but this judge gives us the, her the bare minimum. She gives us what I need. And that, that tells me something. It tells me that by the sweat of our own brows, by our own efforts, by our own persistence, by our own strength, we can get by in life. And people do get by in life. And that sometimes throws us as Christians because we think, well, how, how are they getting on and they don't have God and, and we, we've got God and it, 
and and you know it they're still doing okay it's because there are natural principles whereby you get your needs by uh, what you do and your own effort but there's a spiritual principle where we can get God on our side and he answers our prayers speedily and we overcome difficult situations so that's what this is talking about and one of the ways we um, we kind of uh, interpret parables is this we you know people People say, well, what do I do with a story like this? What do I do with a parable? And Jesus comes out with really helpful statements like, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. And, you know, th these parables are given so that you might understand and somebody else doesn't understand. And we go, well, that's not really very helpful, Jesus. But there are principles by which we interpret the parables and we see the parables. And one of the, those principles is that you can look at a parable and you say, oh, okay, who do I identify with in this story? Who, what, how, in what way do these characters reflect me? For instance, what, in what ways am I like the judge? And that leads us to uh, listen to the Holy Spirit and uh, reflect on, uh, you know, to what extent do I really respect God? To what extent do I really revere him? To what extent do I honour him? Uh, to what extent do I obey him and to what extent do I follow him? And, you know, it's a really interesting thing that sometimes we, we, we don't like doing this, but the Holy Spirit likes us to um, look at how far we've progressed uh, in, this, in our growth into grace. And he likes us to look at that. And, you know, he's saying, how heavily does God weigh in your life? How how much uh, do you uh, give him focus? What he, how much of a factor is he in your decision making? And that was a that was a killer for me, you know, not not in a bad way, in a really good way. It really drew me up short when the Holy Spirit asked me that a few years ago, and he said, "How much do I factor in your decision making?" And and it sort of like it drew me up short because you think, well, I, I'm you know I'm doing well, I'm doing well in my Christian work. But actually, he wasn't a big factor in how I was taking decisions. I was kind of doing lots of decisions, and if they turned out bad, then I'd turn to him. And so he needs to be a big factor in our decision-making. And then, you know, when we, we look at this judge, it's good to go, okay, I, he, he didn't care. And it's easy to say, well, you know, he didn't care, he didn't do anything, he wasn't bothered by people. But then... I need to ask myself, how much do I care? How much does the Holy Spirit still need to work on my heart so that I care, so that it's real, so that I flow with the same level of compassion as Jesus flowed, so that I flow in the fullness of the Spirit so that love keeps coming out and keeps coming out. And, it, and it's good for us to check our hearts because it's good that the Holy Spirit shows us these things. So we can look at this judge and we can go... Um, and, and look at look at those things but here's the big point when we look at that judge we you can't as a believer I can't as a believer you can't as a believer just say I have a value on love or I put a value on compassion you see we can hear things we can say things and we can uh, basically um, be part of our church community and so on and so on 
and we can say yeah of course so you know we value love we value compassion we value empathy we value mercy we walk in grace uh, we are generous but it's not enough just to say those things we actually have to have a lifestyle of those things a lifestyle that actually embodies what we say the richness and the depths of love the richness and the depths of compassion you see love is what you do as much or more than what you think everybody can have good intentions but we as believers actually have to have a do on the end of our intention because love has to look like something so it's good if we look at ourselves and we, we, we say well what how are we like this judge but then we can look at at the widow and, she, and, and we see her fighting for things we see her fighting for justice for right for uh, inheritance uh, for whatever she needed and we see her fighting for that and so the good question to ask ourselves as a result of that is what is it that we are fighting for as believers it's inevitable that we should be fighting for some things we should be standing for some things we should be believing for some things and not just getting taken along with the flow of the world around us what is it that we're going to keep fighting for what is it we're going to persist in are we going to keep fighting for our health are we going to keep fighting for our finances are we going to keep fighting for justice are we going to keep fighting for right against wrong what is it that we we are fighting for because as believers we should look a bit different from from those who just go with the tide and uh you know virtue signal on on their social media accounts we need to be different from that so what is it that you need to keep fighting for i can't answer that for you i know what it is for me but secondly what is it that's actually worth fighting for because all of us can pick things all of us get in fights we get in fights with other people we get in fights with with spouses we get in fights with kids we get in fights with parents we get in fights with work colleagues we get in fights with friends we argue we contest and we get into all sorts of things and you know it's a biblical principle but i i think we learned it through our kids is that what is really important is that you fight only on certain things that are worth fighting for you know just don't fight on everything with your kids it just wears them down pick your battlegrounds go for the ones that are really important and and you know cheryl's got stories about how how jessica would fight us and then we'd uh you know we we weren't very wise at picking our battlegrounds originally but we learned to do that and what i would tell you right now is you know there are things worth fighting for jesus is worth fighting for the church is worth fighting for justice is worth fighting for your family is worth fighting for victims are worth fighting for what things is it that are worth fighting for for you where are you going to stand your ground and where are you going to let things go and here's the biggie you see this this widow she had something that was really important and she realized something that the fear of god the reverence of god the desire to make jesus lord of your life and follow him overcomes the fear of man you know so often we we get in situations at life we get in situations at work we get in situations at home and it, it, it it's all overwhelming and our, our response is you know all this pressure comes our friends say this 
and people say that we see stuff on social media we read about stuff and and, it, and it's almost like we we end up in this place of, of being afraid of doing anything afraid of standing for anything and this widow she learned that the fear of god the 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 the, the following of jesus overcomes the fear of man and and we need to understand that that when we're living for somebody, when, when we, um, how can I put it? You know, some of us, we live for our friends. You know, what, what they say kind of shapes our life. Some of us, it's, it's even more close to that. It's our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our husband, our wife. And, and we end up living our life uh, based on, on what they say and, and none of what uh, God has put in our own hearts. And for some of us, we get pushed around by our children. Some of us, it's our performance and our career that runs our life. And you know, when something runs your life like that, when you live for someone or something other than Jesus, that's worship of that other thing. So we need to be careful and, and understand that we are to be followers of Jesus and go where he takes us without the fear of man. And to walk free of that fear of man. And some of us have got stuck in that fear of man. We don't know how to get out. The way out of the fear of man is one step at a time following Jesus. Just keeping your eyes on him. Keeping in front of you. So let's get back to this, this, this uh, the, the core principle. Why Jesus told this parable. And he told this parable to the effect that you ought always to pray. And not lose heart in any circumstance. And... You know, in, in this parable, we're not reading God as this judge. I've already said that. This, God, this judge is not God. Contrast is the point of the parable. Contrast is the point of what you say. God is not like this judge. God doesn't have those character issues. You, you don't have to go to God and demand and plead and, and, and like throw yourself down in front of him and do all sorts of things in order to get him to eventually relent to do something for you. That God is unjust, our God is just. That God is unkind, our God, well, that judge is unkind, our God is kind. That judge is uncaring, our God is caring. You know, you don't have to argue God into a corner or pressurise him or twist his arm to get him to help you, to get him to be there for you, to get him to give you his wisdom, his counsel, his, his life and to provide for you that that's not our god at all and that's why jesus is telling this he's saying that whatever's going on around you whatever you're facing however long it's gone on however long it seems that it's going to go on ahead of you then keep praying because god answers prayer and he does it because he loves you he cares for you he's not like that unjust judge you don't have to pressure him you don't have to twist his arm he wants to help. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to be involved in your decisions. And, and to do this, to, to do what Jesus is telling us here, we need to understand just a few things, simple things about how prayer works. Because um, sometimes, you know, prayers become so big and so complicated and, and so much that we, we have this idea that there are professional prayers in the body of Christ and everybody else is rubbish at it. Actually, if we understand what prayer is, we can all be good at it and we can all see God answer our prayers. 
So what is prayer? I'll call these like prayer principles for ordinary people so that we can always pray and not give up. Prayer is simply talking to God. Prayer is the means by, our which, by which our relationship with God is formed and by which our relationship grows. And as a result of that, we need to understand that prayer is two-way. You see, we don't understand everything about life, but God does. We're not omniscient, but he is. We're not all-powerful, but he is. He cares and he's working things out. But sometimes working things out in the best way for us takes time. Because God doesn't settle for half measures. He doesn't settle for quick fixes. He's not a fast food outlet. He's not a slot machine. God has a plan for your good and he's working it out and it's the best plan. But sometimes that best plan takes time. And what Jesus is telling us here is that don't look at what's in front of you. Don't look at what's around you. Don't look at what's behind you. Don't lose faith. Don't stop, don't give up, don't back down and don't jet settle for just surviving. Prayer's got a second purpose. And, it, and this purpose is kind of a, a, a bit more uh, art rather than science. God's purpose for us in prayer is to mould our heart. Prayer not only... Uh, uh, relates us to God but it relates God to us that's why the Bible says some stuff that we would think were pretty crazy it says things like pray for your enemies and 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 suddenly the first thing that happens is our flesh goes off and goes really I need to find a way around that one because because that, that can't be right but actually it is but what what what's happening is we pray for our enemies is we pray uh, with God if we take that to God the Holy Spirit molds our heart softens our heart the holy spirit heals our heart he, he he wipes away the bitterness he wipes away that calloused uncaring offended heart but it needs us to take it to him so that he can mold our hearts and how do we take it to him we pray for our enemies why so that our hearts may be better so that our hearts may be healed so that our hearts may be changed and maybe as you pray and things don't immediately change. In fact, sometimes, you know, I've, I've done this and things immediately got worse and you think, oh, why did I bother? But the truth is that as we keep going, we ought always to pray and keep on persisting in prayer. Why? Because that shaping of our heart takes time. Here's the third thing that, you know, the, the simple guide to prayer, because prayer is simple. Here's the third one. You don't have to be eloquent. We've all encountered eloquent prayers, haven't we? We've got some pretty eloquent prayers in our church. They are awesome people. I'm not one of them. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of like a two-sentence man. Be healed. Be made whole. Be set free. That's kind of my prayer, you know, in public. And, and I'm kind of run out of things to say. God, bring revival. Change our land. Done. And... And that's okay because it's not the amount of words that matter. It's the faith in God's promises that matters. And so, you know, I'm, I was trying to think like, you know, I, I'm sure that I've met people, even if they, get, well, let me put it this way. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't have gone to my parents as a kid and say, dear, dear father, I needeth an ice cream. Dost thou not know, and wouldst thou 
bless me with the depths of your heart to be and I beseech you O father and humbly set myself before you and worship you to the uttermost so that thou might buy me an ice cream you don't do that sort of thing so why do we do it with God well I, I guess there might be somebody who does that sort of thing I just had this crazy picture in my head then of somebody doing that but we don't do that do we in the natural so why do we do it with God why do we think we have to do all this religious stuff and use all these words when it's actually not about the words, it's about the faith. It's about the faith. That's why Jesus says at the end of this parable, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I think if he came now, he'd find a lot of people with a lot of words and a lot of talk and a lot of great motivational sermons and a lot of long prayers and he'd find a load of people and he'd find them right across the earth but Jesus says the question is not any of that the question is where's your faith and that's what takes us through that's what overcomes so when you pray persist just keep talking to your dad working it through getting his wisdom getting his next step you know right now after the announcements yesterday I'm just going to God asking what's the next step where do we go from here, God? And I'm confident that we are going to see God do some amazing things in the months to come. I don't know how that's going to happen, but he does. He's above, beyond, and far, far greater than anything that, that is in front of me. And so what do I do? Well, right now, I, I, as my simple prayer principles, I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit's prompting. I'm waiting for him to say something to me. And I'm going to take time, I'm going to listen to him, and I'm going to expect him to talk to me. Because this parable tells me that God actually wants to answer me speedily. Not like that unjust judge, he wants to answer me speedily. So for me, he's going to take a bit of holy patience, a bit of setting aside time, and, and we all need to do that. Whatever it is we're facing, whatever difficulties, whatever discouragements we're facing, we need to set aside time and get God's wisdom direction plan his promptings about what to do where to go how to feel let him shape our hearts let him mold our hearts let him make us stronger let him draw up from inside as the joy that is in our spirit let him draw up from inside as the hope that is in spirit and for the hope set before us let us keep going forward because we overcome the world it's so important that we we, we ground everything in word and spirit. And for us that means word as in the promises of God and knowing what he has done for us, knowing what he's given us, knowing who we are in Christ. And then spirit as we spend time in his presence, in prayer, listening for his voice, sharing our heart with him and letting him share his heart with us. Prayer is so simple, but it is so powerful when we connect our faith to it. So where do we go about all this? You see, when we talk about justice, when we talk about things that have happened in life, uh, when we talk about people who've hurt us, people who've mistreated us, there's two forms of justice in life. You know, this widow, she, she went, she demanded justice. And there's two forms of justice in life. There's justice that we have as believers. And our justice, the things that, everything that we've done wrong, the justice for that came at the cross of Christ. He paid for what we did wrong. 
For the non-Christian, judgment will come. They will give an account of their life before God and there will be their day in court. That means that either somebody who is who's treated you horrendously, they will either turn to Christ in this life and you will see the change in him and you will see Jesus turn that around because he has paid for that justice. But if they don't, then there's justice. Everything will be vindicated. Everything will have justice. You see, Jesus knows all, Jesus hears all, Jesus, Jesus sees all, and Jesus will ultimately judge all. What that means is that if you're, you're a victim, you can expect justice. God will vindicate you. And it might seem like a long time, it might seem like you're that widow, but here's the thing. Jesus is saying in all things, persist in prayer because your persistence will change you, you'll hear my voice, you'll know what to do, and you'll be able to walk through whatever life's throwing at you. And so right now, I want to pray for those who don't yet know Jesus as Saviour. And if that's you, or if you've fallen away, if you've kind of known Jesus in the past and you've slipped away, whether you're listening to this live or whether you're listening to it during the week, and I have to say, we are so encouraged by the responses that we're getting to, to the, these, these prayers at the end. That The people uh, who've been getting in contact with us, it's so encouraging throughout these, these months. And so I want you to follow me in this prayer. I want you to decide that, you're going to that your life's going to change from now. So Father, you say this after me, Father, I ask you to forgive me for all the time I've turned my back on you and not followed you. I'm choosing right now to turn to you, to make you Lord of my life. I'm choosing to be a follower of yours. So just like I've heard this morning, I ask you to give me new birth, to fill me with your spirit, and to change me from the inside out. Amen. So if you've responded to that, if you said that prayer, we'd love to hear from you. Messages on Facebook, uh, or email us at office at faithlifechurch.org.uk and we'd, we'd love to share with you, we'd love to pray with you, uh, we, we've got resources we'd love to send you for free so just do get in touch and it would be so encouraging for us. Amen.